Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast, bringing you juicy convos with thought leaders discussing the wild world of parenting. Welcome, Vibe Hive. This is your co-host of the Elevate the Vibe podcast, Katie Berlin, with my hubby, Jason Berlin. I'm here. I made it. What up? We are headed into the thick of the holiday season, and sure, there's lots of exciting topics to talk about when it comes to the holidays, which our last few episodes, pretty much everything that we're doing from this point on will be solo episodes, and we touch on a lot of this, but today's episode, we're going to talk through the birth story of our son. Now, if you are squeamish, if you don't want to hear people talk about birthing babies, if you are pregnant and don't want to hear anything that maybe is not ideal for what you're conjuring up in your head about what your birth process will be, just uh, skip this episode. Yeah, just go to a different episode. You know, at this point, we got like 35 of them. You can find another one that you've already heard and listen to it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can double down on... Double dip on some of our great content. Some of those previous ones. There's some good tidbits that it could be helpful to go back and yeah, check out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, we're going to go into this where we back up before Sammy was born. Well, I'd hope so. It's the yes. birth story. Yes. <laughs> To give a little context here, prior to our son being born, I was like fanatical about working out, taking care of myself. I really put a lot of energy and effort into that. Also, some audience members may know, some may not know, but I'm also a certified yoga instructor. So I have a lot of experience with breath work, understanding the breath, how to use your breath. And not that birth is about that. Uh, I think that could be like some old school thinking like the, you know, like the Lamas, whatever. Yeah. yeah, the breathing patterns are. But just to back up a little bit. So with our son, Jason and I decided to take a Bradley Method birth class. So that would be very well prepared for not only the labor, but also once baby arrived. And for anybody interested in learning more about that, we had the host of our Bradley Method birth class on episode three with Leah Burquist. So definitely give that episode a listen. If maybe you're a parent and you're considering having another child and want to take a birth class, like credible information, a lot of knowledge. Also, just to set the stage on this, I did not give birth in a hospital for my first birth and I am not going to for my second birth either. I gave birth at a birth center now, some people might think like, what is that? That's weird. I don't understand it. Why would anybody do it? Everybody gives birth at a hospital or, you know, maybe in their home. So a birth center is run by a midwife group. And we actually had the founder of Beach City's Midwifery, which is where I did give birth on episode six, BJ Snell. So if you want to dive more into the science and the medical aspects of a birth center, what's different between a birth center and a hospital, definitely check out that episode with BJ. Now, like I mentioned, decided that I would have my birth at a birth center. And this is after I'd interviewed a couple different OBGYNs. I did have a OB when I lived uh, back in West LA at UCLA. And when we moved to Long Beach, I needed to get a new doctor and decided that I would see a midwife group, which they can deliver complete women's care. So even if you're somebody that's not giving birth, you can still go to a midwife group to have your annual exam or receive care outside of an OB, which OBs perform surgery. That's the main difference. So 
just a little hot tip there if anybody is looking for someone. They will not treat me, though, because I'm a man, so. Yes, usually men do not go to OBs either, <laughs> unless you're like a trans man. Yeah. But then there would be a deeper conversation be a, here. Yeah, we have another couple episodes. Yeah, this one. yeah. if that was something that you needed to share with me now, I would I would love you the same, but it would, <laughs> that would be a surprise. <laughs> ding, 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 wait, what's 20, going on? 2020 is a wild year. Mm -hmm. So yes, as I mentioned, we decided to go with the birth center. When you decide to have your birth at a birth center, the biggest difference is that there's not an option to have an epidural. It's supposed to be a natural process. Now, if you decided that you wanted to transfer to a hospital while you were at a midwife group, at least with mine, I, I could. That's something that is offered. And they work with a hospital so that you can easily get transferred if something is like medically happening that all of a sudden you take a turn and you need medical intervention in the form of like a potential surgery, C-section, AKA C-section. But otherwise, if you're relatively low risk and all births have risk, it's not no risk, but if you're low risk, you're really okay to have your birth at a birth center. So with our son, I ended up going 10 days past the due date. Now, birth centers have requirements that they have to work under, and one of them is you have to give birth within a certain window. They don't force you into labor where you, you don't have to be induced, but if you go outside of that window, you no longer can have care with them because your risk increases with your birth. So then you have to go move into a hospital setting. So what ended up happening is I needed to get additional testing done and monitoring, which had to take place at a hospital. So... Jason and I went over to the hospital, had to get strapped up and monitored. Just, Two o'clock in the afternoon or so, right? Yeah, probably around like 3 or 4 p.m. Had to get monitored. And during the monitoring process, everything was fine. There, was, there were no red flags. They're like, you know, you're fine. You can go home. When I was at the hospital, the doctor who was on staff at that time was seriously pressuring me to induce labor at that moment. She was like really pressing me hard and I was glad that I had the knowledge from Leah's class to be able to stand up for myself to say no because otherwise I probably would have been afraid that doctor was like crazy pressuring me and I stood my ground and I was like no I want to go home I'm, I'm ready to leave I want to go home so eventually they were like fine you can leave this was probably like 6 or 7 p.m. I'm finishing up I just go to use the restroom and when I pee, now if you don't like graphic content, <laughs> go ahead and turn this off. I lose something called my mucus plug when I pee. If you've never given birth, if you have no idea what that is, it's basically just like a whitish consistency. I, I guess it's just complete mucus, but it's, it's basically like when your cervix starts to dilate and you're getting closer to birth, this is a protective layer that then can drop out. So I look in the toilet and I'm like, Jay, I think that's what it is. And from the education that I had in my birth class, I was like, okay, I think like shit is like, it's getting real. It's on. It's going to happen soon. Now, just as full disclosure, just because you lose your mucus bug doesn't necessarily mean that labor is coming right away, but it is a telltale sign that it could be very soon. Kind of like when somebody's water breaks, similar, like your water can break. It doesn't mean that you're going to have a baby in like an hour. But yeah. it's like, 
probably in the next few days your baby's coming. Movies would have you think that your water breaks and then the baby's there like a second later, but that's not really the case. Maybe for some people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow, that was quick. (laughs) Quick and painless. So, you know, we see this and then we're like, oh shit, like we think maybe it's time. So we're on our way home. We're hungry. We stop to get some food. While we're on our way home, I start to feel much more intense contractions. I'm starting to actually feel contractions and I'm like, oh shit. So because I'm giving birth at a birth center, their process is a little different. They don't have staff that's sitting waiting by the phone all the time, similar to like a hospital. So you have to page in. So I page in the person who's on call pages you back and they begin to give you information of what to look for. At this point, my contractions were pretty strong where it was already difficult for me to talk. So in between them, I could talk, but when one came on, I was like, kind of like, you know, like that face, like, oh, like, you know, if somebody, if you banged your knee and you're like, like you can't even really speak at the moment, kind of like that. So we get home. Now, between this point and when we get to the birth center, I don't remember much. So this is like 9 p.m. We're home. I'm already in pain. And Jason kind of has to take over from here. From what I recall, and a bit of it is fuzzy, it was a lot of uh, bending over, um, head in, in you know, your arms on the side of the bed with a lot of wait now who was making these noises you or me it wasn't me because uh, i didn't eat taco bell or anything like that but um mama was definitely she was in it it was obvious that it was happening like i I was in pain Mm -hmm. and the process had started so yeah the process had started my job as the partner was to make sure that you know for one i supported katie and gave her nice massaging on her lower back because her lower back was very much inflamed and full of pain so like I had to make sure that I was pushing on there and then also packing up the car and getting all that stuff ready and having our car seat in the car and packing up our um, small cooler with a couple of food and beverage items and then also to page beach cities and let them know what was going on. And then also the most important part, which is the contraction timing, which, you know, I had an app for it, but you're waiting for the 411, which, uh, Shug, why don't you give the audience the 411 about what is the 411? The 411 is now, this is important for your first birth, but subsequent births are a little bit different. On the very first birth, the 411 is you're having contractions four minutes apart. They last for one minute, and this has been taking place for an hour. So over an hour period of time, you're about four minutes apart, and they're one minute. I think that mine were farther apart, but the team was like, come in now, Mm -hmm. because they were already pretty strong. And Jason had mentioned that he had to put in some extra work to really press on my back. Now there's something called back labor and then there's regular uterine contractions. Many women will have contractions in their uterus where the front of their stomach, like near their pelvis area begins to tighten up. And some women have back, what's called back labor, where their contractions are mainly felt in their back. When you have back labor, apparently it's a lot more painful than when you're having labor in the front. So already 
I was like, oh shit. Like, I think I probably had already kind of blacked out at this point from like pain in a way. Cause I, I, I don't even really remember. So Jason mentioned car was packed up, had everything ready to go. I do not remember getting into the car. I do not remember driving to the birth center, but this happened around two in the morning is when we arrived. So one of the midwives greeted us there. There was a birth assistant. There was Jason. We ended up not having a doula because we had a midwife and birth assistant. I think doulas probably are are fabulous to have and could have still helped, but we just chose not to. We didn't really know what to expect. (laughs) Now, from 2 a.m. until when our son arrived. So he was ultimately born at 8.30 in the morning. I don't remember a lot during this time, but the benefit of a birth center is that you're not hooked up to any sort of contraption so you can walk around I remember just being in such excruciating pain I could barely move and I don't want to scare people who haven't had children but I was screaming so loud at the top of my lungs in pain for the entire time that I was there uh it was I pushed like pushed hard with all of my might every bit of strength and energy that I had for about four and a half hours and when you get to about four hours of pushing with a midwife group they sort of determine like do you need to get transferred to a hospital at that point so that's a decision that they do have to make so because it's like okay you're that's an abnormally long period of time to push that long what was happening was that because I was you know super avid about working out and taking care of my fitness you know that that little vag was it was strong it was it was tight it was was, strong it was strong and it didn't really want baby to come out on its own so what ended up happening was that the team performed an episiotomy that is where you do have uh, an incision made a small incision to help open up the vaginal opening there so that baby can come out. As soon as that happened, Sammy's little head bloop, popped out. Now the entire time, Sammy is fine. They're monitoring him. You're not hooked up to anything, but they have like a, a mobile monitor that they bring around to check. I was a wreck. I was hyperventilating. I couldn't breathe. I was screaming at the top of my lungs. Jason was pressing on my back constantly because I was in like such extreme pain. I I barely remember this. Uh, I tried like the tub. They have giant tubs that are meant for giving birth in a tub. I tried the tub. I tried like squatting. You know, I, I could barely move. I, I would move a little bit and it would take me like 20 minutes to like take a step or something because I was just like screaming with every push. And eventually found a position that worked, had the episiotomy, Sammy's little head popped out there. And there was this, there was like two moments where I stopped screaming and I I wasn't hyperventilating anymore. Now, mind you, I was hyperventilating for about four hours, like not 10 minutes, not 15 minutes, Four hours of screaming and hyperventilating, like screaming at the top of my lungs, like not 
not probably like a normal process. And there was this pause and I remember like, this is what I now remember more. And I remember like the pause of like a little bit of relief and like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And then I had to do like one more push and shoulders came out and then basically he was out and he was born at 8.30 in the morning. So all in all, my labor was about 12 hours with only, uh, you know, a short period. Well, not a four short hours period. of pushing, four hours of pushing, which is abnormal for anybody that has not given birth. Most people are around two hours or less Four is abnormal. And at that point, after he was out, of course, the team, they have to repair the, the area where the episiotomy was performed. And, uh, they also have to have your placenta come out. So <laughs> after you're done with this, you know, placenta, like, kind of comes out on its own and they, they might help it out a little bit. So they had to like press on my stomach a little bit. But after you've been pushing so hard for so long, like my stomach was so sensitive. And I, I remember that, like, I remember this part, like this part I kind of remember. And, um, the reason that the placenta part is impo important is because I did end up having my placenta encapsulated. So there is somebody that came in picked up my placenta. Jason mentioned we brought a cooler. So we brought food in the cooler, cleaned it out while we were there and ended up packing it for the placenta. This person came, picked it up, took it with her. She has a, you know, a sterilized facility where she can encapsulate, encapsulated the placenta and then came to our house the next day to drop it back off. So that's like my placenta was turned into pill form. And the reason that some people do that is because it's, considered that there's a lot of nutrients that can help mom recover plus it's been said to help with like postpartum depression and baby blues and I was willing to do anything I'm like shit if I gotta eat my own organs fucking eat my own organs I don't care <laughs> take one for the team <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> I mean I considered we talked about like would we chop it up and put it in a smoothie right then and there to have a little placenta smoothie I mean you know it's a possibility but I decided let's encapsulate instead I don't you know we don't need to chop it up right there we don't we didn't have to bring Bobby Flay into the house <laughs> to do this so uh yeah, Sammy comes out, placenta's on its way, gets stitched up. Now, benefit of a birth center is that you do not stay long in a birth center after the birth of your baby. So many women, if they're in a hospital setting, now if you have a C-section, totally different. But if your baby just like slides right out of your veg, then in a hospital, you still do stay in the hospital for like a day or two days after the birth center part of the process is that you just kind of pack up and you go home after four hours you have four hours from when baby is born to get the hell out of here essentially so in that four hour window we're just kind of there bonding in the, time yeah. in the bed bonding time sammy's able to come right to me they don't wash him off or do anything like that and then the thought process of you going home right away is also so that you get to go home and you get to rest immediately. Because I had pushed for so long, I had lost the ability to use my legs, basically. Um, so I couldn't walk. We needed a wheelchair. And that whole part was gnarly. The recovery part was gnarly. But 
uh, just trying to get into the car after. I was definitely in rough shape. And thankfully, from the birth class that we took, we were prepped with everything that we would need to like handle baby at home and, and caring for me. But it was a little bit more extreme. I don't think most people have that scenario where they can't walk. I mean, I think women that have C-sections experience this because of the surgery, but uh, mine was that I, I really couldn't move my legs. So it was a little different in that we did have to set up upstairs only in our home. And I basically was like bedridden. I, I couldn't really walk for about two weeks. It took about two weeks to be able to walk and Jason had to move my legs around. And then if I did stand up, uh, like if I needed to get up to go to the bathroom, like I could try to stand up and like move a little bit, but I didn't have any control over my bladder either. So we had to line from our bed all the way into the bathroom with puppy pee pads because I'd stand up and I wanted to hold in my pee, but I couldn't. If I was laying down, it could kind of, I could hold it in. But when I'd stand up, I mean, it would just like, it would just kind of pour out of me. So this is not normal. This is a little bit abnormal. And you might be thinking like, why would you go do it again? What, not only would you, why would you want to have another child, but like, why would you choose to have a birth at a birth center again? And to me, it has nothing to do with the location. It's the process. It's like, that was my body. That's what my body was going through. If I would have done that in a hospital setting, they would have given me a C-section, like probably immediately. And they They, would have given you an epidural too. And we didn't want you to have an epidural. Yeah. I wanted to try the natural route and see what it was like. So we're doing that again with baby number two. If you've had more than one child, I've been told, I don't know this yet, but I've been told it can be a lot easier with number two. Your time's usually cut in half. I think if my vag wasn't like a steel trap for Sammy on the first time, I think that he probably would have been here in like three pushes. I was like proteined up. I was like jacked up. You were kegeling all the time. Yeah, I was like, my body was like, we are fucking born for this. Yeah. But my vag was trying to be like a you know, Fort Knox. And I was like, no, you gotta, you gotta let people out. Like, <laughs> let people out. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, we don't want them trapped inside. We want to let them go. Like let, you know, let them out. <laughs> so hopefully this time, if I have to do another episiotomy, I will. Absolutely. I'll maybe a little earlier this time. But... Yeah. I think last time they just, they were trying to preserve my body. And in that process, I just had, I was pushing so hard for so long, but they were trying to preserve. They didn't want to intervene. That's the whole point. But I do remember like asking, requesting like early on. I was like, just get the baby out. Like cut the baby (laughs) out. I don't care. I do remember that uh, at some point. So not everybody has this crazy experience. Hopefully number two will be different and we can get on the mic again after she's born and say like, oh my God, it was a breeze and it was so easy. Yeah, the wind just blew and there she was. I I had a little light cough and whoop, there (coughs) she is. Oh, baby. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I had to pee and then baby came out. So yeah, yeah, hopefully it'll be like that this time. But Jason was awesome taking care of me, not only in the moment, but for the weeks that followed. It was like, I, I could not have done it without him and, uh, 
having him by my side through that entire recovery because it's not just like you know you go to your doctor and then at six weeks they're like you're cleared I would say it was probably eight months I would say eight months until I started to feel about like 70 percent probably like decent enough to work out yeah a little bit more regularly and then probably about a year and a half until I started to feel more like myself and my body like sort of getting back it's never going to be what it was and in that time between those eight months and 18 months, I did end up going to pelvic floor physical therapy. And we had Dr. Christina Vivit on the show. That was episode five to talk about what pelvic floor physical therapy is. Yes, she was my doctor and greatly helped me in the recovery process. I, I definitely could have gone a lot sooner. I just waited just because it's like, I don't know what's normal, what's not normal. So it was really a benefit to have her services. And I guess all I can say from a dad's perspective and from the significant other of the one who is going through this is that all you can do as the man is to just stay by your lady's side and give her everything she needs, rub her when she wants to be rubbed, get her plenty of water, fluids, make her pads for her, everything. And you know, in our last episode, we talked about the birth prep. So listen back to that. And, um, you know, get all of your prep stuff together and just be your lady's partner, be your lady's best friend and be there to support her as best as you can. And that is the way you show up in this world. You got to be a good dad. And really like that's your first task right there is to take care of mama and, and the baby, of course too, but she's focused on the baby. You're focused on her. And that's the only thing that matters in the world. Not only were you down to change baby's diapers, but you were down to change my diaper too. Even if I had to change the depends, I would do it if I had to. I I don't know that I had to (laughs) dip down into that level, Uh, but I was ready to, you know. But you did mention the pads, the pad preparation, which is important. As Jason mentioned, check it out in the last episode. Uh, But having a very handy, helpful hubby who could just jump in and do anything made the biggest difference. Or whoever your significant other is. All in all, having the support of like a friend or family member, spouse, significant other, whoever it may be, just there to help you really make such a big difference during that time. So Vibe Hive, if you have a birth story you'd like to share or some tips or tidbits that maybe we've left out if you haven't been paying attention to the last 34 podcasts and maybe you want to let us know something we don't know, just comment on our latest post at Elevate the Vibe on Insta. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.